0: Learn all about investing in real estate in Lubbock, Texas, with a combination of real estate financial planning and modeling with numbers specific to Lubbock, plus syndicated, more generalized recordings of live and pre-recorded real estate investing classes, not all of them specific to Lubbock. Be sure to stay tuned after the podcast for a message from our sponsors. All right. Good morning and welcome, everyone. I am James Orr. And today we're doing a very special webinar. We're doing a webinar on calculating cap rate for rental properties. And I'm going to walk you through step-by-step how to do it with some brand new tools that I've been making over the last I don't know, few days or so. So hopefully you guys will like this and it will be really good. And if you have any questions, let me know. Okay, so walking through the calculation. So we're going to walk through an examples We're going to walk through an example and then I will show you how to have this done in several other ways. So um, I will tell you where to get the numbers for each example. But if for some reason I forget, Nick's going to keep me honest and he's going to tell me exactly, uh, hey, James, you forgot to do this or something or someone else can do it. So. Uh, And then after I walk you through one of the new tools I have, which is called the Visual Cap Rate Calculator for rental property, Um, brand new thing I made earlier in the week. So if there's an error in there or something like that, then definitely let me know and we'll get that corrected uh, because it's completely brand new in the last couple of days. Um, And then I'll walk you through the World's Greatest Real Estate Deal Analysis Spreadsheet. You guys can download a copy of the World's Greatest Deal Analysis Spreadsheet at realestatefinancialplanner.com forward slash spreadsheet it'll ask you to click through and opt into something in order to be able to have it emailed to you and so you'll be able to go do that and then after that i'm going to walk you through another new spreadsheet i made which is the rental portfolio cap rate spreadsheet if uh, you ever wanted to have a spreadsheet that showed you your whole portfolio properties and what the cap rates were for each of those i've made a new spreadsheet for you for doing that and then because that's not enough uh i've got a uh a add on to the visual cap rate calculator for rental property. It's like a second tab that is a tool to tell you how much your cap rate would improve based on what input you increase or improve. So it tells you what to focus on to get maximum benefit for improving cap rates. So if you're really focused on, Hey, look, I really want to have high cap rates for properties. What can I do in order to improve my cap rate, especially in this environment where we're seeing really high prices, really high interest rates, kind of lagging rents, and so therefore we're seeing some uh, you know, not so amazing cash flows in a lot of properties. If you want to improve that, this is going to be a tool for you to kind of analyze the particular property you're looking at and see which one of these inputs you can maximize for. And then of course, if you want to see me walk through other examples, um, we have a brand new tool on the website as well, realestatefinancialplanner.com uh, under calculate cap rate that will walk you through uh, how to calculate cap rate on any of the properties we have modeled. So I'll go over that at the very end there. So that's where we're headed for today. If you have any questions, let me know as we go. And this is the first time, well, I guess it's not the first time anyone has seen it because I've showed it a couple of people already. But uh, this is the first time most people are seeing my brand new visual cap rate calculator for rental property. And I did do one of these for cash on cash, which I think I'm teaching the cash on cash return on investment class tomorrow. But this walks you through visually how to go calculate cap rate. The end goal, what we're trying to calculate here is high living green, that's cap rate in this case. And then I walk you through the steps that you need in order to get to cap rate. And you could visually see all the inputs. Now, a quick guide to the, the color coding for this particular spreadsheet. All of the red fields that have like the white spot in the bottom for you to enter in a number, those are inputs for you. Those are the things you're gonna wanna input in order to do cap rate in this case, or cash on cash, if you're looking at a different version of my visual spreadsheet. Um, and then all of the intermediate steps for doing calculations are highlighted in blue. And then if it uses, I don't know if I wanted to teach this class today, I have a whole another class coming on the hierarchy of real estate metrics, how accurate metrics are how many inputs it takes in order to calculate and what the kind of room for error is on doing all of them. And so they're technically these are color coded for kind of the class I have not yet taught. Um, But if you use a calculation that takes, you know, more than one primary input and then also takes another primary input or more than one of these kind of compound or secondary inputs, then those are highlighted in yellow here, orange, whatever that is. I can't quite tell. Is Is that yellow or orange? I think it's more like... I don't know. It looks more like yellow to me, but we can can go there. Um, So basically the blue ones are calculations. The yellow ones are calculations. All the red ones are ones for you to input prices. And the green one is the uh, analysis, the number that you're actually seeking. So we're going to walk through this and I'll, I'll tell you how to get all the inputs and everything for this, but just realize that's where we're headed. Okay. If you have any questions, go ahead and use them in the chat window. That'd be awesome. Okay. So what I just did I just took this last section and I blew it up so that we can kind of see what's going on. So in order to calculate cap rate, the definition of cap rate is net operating income divided by the purchase price if you're buying a property or divided by the value if you're calculating cap rate later. So if you're about to go buy a property, you want to use purchase price here as the divisor. I think that's the bottom number in a math calculation, the divisor. You want to use that as the bottom number when you do your calculation for doing a cap rate there. If you've owned the property for three years, you go figure out what your net operating income is at the property at that particular time. And then you would divide by whatever the current value is. So this does change depending on whether this is a new purchase or this is something you've owned for a while. And we will get in the end, but this is also a way to calculate what a property is worth, which I'll show you here at the, one of the last slides. Okay. So Net operating income divided by purchase price. Purchase price is something that you should know. It's an input that you need to enter in order to do that. But net operating income, a lot of times you're not gonna have that information. So we're gonna need to calculate it. And I'll walk you back through how to calculate net operating income here in a second. But what is net operating income? Well, net operating income is really the amount of money your property is generating after all of the expenses on it. But not including, not including any type of financing. So cap rate is one of these metrics that does not take into account the financing you have on the property, which is one of the reasons why I don't particularly like cap rate. And I'm not like don't like it in that I, I've got like a grudge to hold against it, but I would prefer the calculation of cash on cash return to cap rate. And I know a lot of people like to do cap rate because they think to themselves, you know, it's an easy tool for being able to compare two multifamily properties to the to each other that are kind of similar. Kind of gives you a uh, a standardized way of measuring which one produces more income for the price, which is basically what it's doing. But it does not take into account your financing, and I think financing matters a lot. You know, we can look at properties in our current marketplace and we can make a cash flow if you have the right finance. Right? If you have the wrong financing on it, they're probably going to be negative cash flow or what I would like to refer to as deferred down payment. Because if you had put enough down, they would cash flow, okay? But I digress. This is day two of the I digress sort of thing. So you'll you'll kind of get my thoughts on this. So anyway, net operating income is going to be the income you have on the property after all of your expenses, not including your financing. And we're going to walk you through the calculation for that here in a second as I back up, as I zoom out on the visual cap rate calculator sort of spreadsheet type dealio for those of you that are doing any type of creative financing or thinking about you know a, a flexible way to finance properties net operating income is the most money that a property can support with financing and not have negative cash flow so if you think about it if you calculate most of the time we're doing these annually by the way but if you think about net operating income in terms of like a monthly amount you take this number you divide by 12 if you think about net operating income as the amount you have monthly, that is the most debt that that property can afford to pay and still have break-even cash flow. Anything less than that, it would have negative cash flow. Anything more than that, it would have positive cash flow. And you'll see that when we do cash on cash return on investment. But for now, we're we'll going kind to of do that. So you should have purchase price or the value in order to do your calculation. We'll calculate net operating income here next, and then that calculates cap rate. So net operating income divided by purchase price gives you cap rate. So we just covered this whole section. Now we got to figure out what cons- what makes up net operating income. Well, I told you net operating income is kind of like the income on the property after all the expenses. Well, that makes sense because we take the gross operating income, the amount of money that the property is generating gross, not after all expenses. And we subtract out this little subtraction sign and the division signs right here for the calculation. But you subtract out All the operating expenses. The operating expenses are all of the costs we have associated with running the property. What it costs to operate the property. So we're going to calculate these here in a second, but this tells you what your gross operating income is, the amount of money we have, where we expect to come into the property. And then the operating expenses are all the things it costs to run the property, which we'll get to in, in in a minute. So on this kind of stage of the calculation, we don't know, we don't have any inputs for these. These are all calculated. So we're going to go back another step. Now we're going to look at this. So we're going to calculate two different things here. Number one, we got to calculate gross operating income. And then number two, we got to calculate all the operating expenses because we use those to determine net operating income. And then we take the net operating income, we divide by whatever the purchase price or the value is in order to determine what the cap rate is on the particular property. Okay, so let's talk about gross operating income first. So gross operating income is the gross potential income. What's the gross potential income is, what's the most amount of money this property could possibly produce? If everything went perfectly, that's gross potential income. But things aren't perfect. Properties have vacancies. You know, Tenants don't always pay their rent, or it takes you some time between the last tenant and the next tenant in order to get a tenant into the property. And so we need to account for how likely or where the property will be vacant from. And so for vacancy dollar, we usually calculate this as a percent, of the amount of money that's coming into property but in order to do the calculation need it in dollars so we do the percent of the uh of the rents coming in a lot of times you know as an example someone might use 3% vacancy. If they're really good at property management, they're going to start, you know, 60 to 90 days before the current lease expires in order to start marketing their property. They're going to make sure that they're starting really really high on their rents to kind of like the top of the range. And if they're not getting calls and inquiries and applications at that rent, they're going to drop it down after a week or so, and they're going to have, you know, 60 to 90 days in order to be able to find their tenant and minimize their vacancy on that property. If you're doing your property management Optimally, and you're really, really good at property management, then your vacancy rate may be in the 3% range. If you're doing it and you're not that great at it, you know, it could be 5% in a Kind of rougher property, they have a lot of turnover. It could be you know six, seven, eight, nine. It could even be ten percent in a lot of cases. Depends on you, your property, the rents you're charging compared to what true fair market rent is. And fair market rent is kind of a range, kind of a fuzzy number. But if you think about that, that's what vacancy is kind of made up of. So for the vacancy dollar, you need to get that because it's an input. All the red ones are inputs again. The red one is usually a percentage of the rents you're collecting on the property. Okay, so it gives you an idea what the vacancy dollar is. So you take gross potential income and we're going to get to the calculation for that. It's kind of the next step. So how do you get gross potential income? We'll calculate that in a second. But you subtract that vacancy dollar and that gives you your gross operating income. Now, moving on to operating expenses. So operating expenses consist of all the different things it costs you to operate the property. Again, financing is not an operational cost, right? It's what it costs you to acquire the property. It's financing, which we don't talk about in cap rates. because this cap rate doesn't take into account financing at all. So these are all the different expenses, and these are all inputs for you. They're all primary metrics in the hierarchy of real estate metrics. Okay. So property taxes, let's talk about property taxes for a second. Where do you get this number from? If You're analyzing a brand new deal. A lot of times you'll have property taxes listed on the MLS sheet. Is that accurate? Maybe. It might be accurate. But what if you're in a situation where they go to the the, the real estate agent listing the property or the seller gives to the real estate agent who's listing the property, hey, my property taxes are $29.56. But they're a senior. And in their particular market, their county, they get a senior tax exemption, a homestead exemption of sorts on their particular property. And taxes on this property really should be double that okay? because they get 50% off. You know, in some some markets, that's that's the case. So they, they list their property taxes as $3,000. You're like, this is great. Property taxes on this property are so freaking low. That's awesome. But it might not actually be $3,000 when you buy it. When you buy it it may actually get converted to $6,000. And some tax agencies, counties decide to update taxes on sales. Other ones they wait until every 2 years or whatever their kind of like cycle is for reassessing properties. And so it may be one of those things where it changes immediately on sale, or it may be one of those things where it changes after whenever the two-year period comes up. And it may not be two years from when you buy it. It may be happening three months from then. And it may adjust at that point. And the new sales price may also cause it to adjust. They're like, oh, we thought this property was worth a lot less. Obviously, it just sold. So we know what the value is of the property is now because that's what the sale price was. And so we're going to adjust the property taxes up to do that. So for property taxes, where do you get those from? A lot of times you're going to get them from the MLS sheet, but you want to do like a... uh, a kind of like a secondary check to make sure that it seems valid for you based on that. So property taxes is going to be where you get that from. It's going to be usually the MLS or the, the county assessor, and you're going to use that. And then you're going to check it to make sure that it seems reasonable. If all the other property taxes in your area are you know 1% of property value, and this is coming in at you know 0. 0.8, you may want to bump your numbers up so that you get a more accurate assessment of what cap rate is. The next thing on here is property insurance. So a lot of tests for property insurance, you're going to call up your insurance agent, you're going to get a quote for that particular property. If you're analyzing properties really early on, and you're kind of doing a lot of them, and you're not deciding, hey, this is really a deal I'm pursuing. Sometimes what we'll do is we'll call the, uh, the insurance agent, we'll get a quote for the types of properties that we're doing. You know, I'm going to buy a, whatever it $500,000-ish property, you know, it's got four bedrooms. And so what is property insurance on a property like that? And they'll tell you, no, it's about $1,500. And then you'll say, okay, well, I'm buying a, I'm looking at analyzing a property that's uh, you know, 550,000. Maybe I'll bump that up by about 10% and get an estimate. Of course, before you go and actually make an offer or definitely while you're in your due diligence period to make sure that that property insurance is a valid quote, you're going to want to call them up and get a firmer number for that. But you can estimate for now. Of course, if you own the property, you'll know what your property insurance number is. And then any HOA fees, you'll find out what the HOA that the property is in, if it isn't any, and what your costs for doing that are and then landlord paid utilities. So these are not what the utilities are in the property. These are the utilities that you would be paying as a landlord on the property. So in this case, let's say you have a fourplex and there's a common area where all of the tenants, they go into a kind of like a a shared, um, uh, like a foyer type area where then there are four doors off it and it's kind of a shared area there. And you are responsible as a landlord to pay the utilities in that kind of common area then you would put in whatever your paid utilities are your landlord paid utilities are for that particular area the all the utilities that the tenants are paying do not get listed here they're not your expense okay so that's what you do there and then if you have any other expenses if you have a you know maintenance uh, like a yard maintenance or snow removal or trash removal or um, you know you're paying for internet for the entire house or something like that any other expenses you have you'd list those there and then maintenance on the property. This is all the paint, carpet, all that stuff that you'd normally put into maintenance. That number gets added right here. And you'd if you don't know that number, you'd estimate it. So if you don't know where your maintenance is your ongoing maintenance, you estimate it on a property. Um, maintenance varies quite a bit based on the age of the property, um, the the kind of quality of the property. You know, higher end properties. Well, I shouldn't say that. It's not exactly true, but it does vary a little bit based on the uh, the type of property that you're doing. You know, kind of like more rundown properties that have not been maintained well tend to have more maintenance requests than properties that are better maintained. But, you know, the higher end properties, they tend to have a little bit more expensive site maintenance because they're using a little bit higher material, higher quality materials and stuff like that. So maintenance kind of varies. But, you know, I think 8 to 12% for a lot of properties is going to be in that ballpark. If you have a really rough property, probably in that 15% uh, of the uh, rents coming in is a number for that. And then, if you're going to have a professional property manager, manage your property. And some people would argue if you're going to manage it yourself, you should put your expenses of your like hard costs of managing the property yourself. And some people might even argue that if you want to put your like kind of hourly rate wage for what you're going to do it, just to kind of get a feel of what cap rate would be if you were going to hire a professional property manager, even though you're paying yourself to do it, you could put that in there. But if you're going to have a professional property manager, you put whatever that number is in there if you're going to do it yourself, some people put zero. So in this case, we're just saying that they're going to manage it themselves. And then you add up all of these expenses, and those are the operating expenses. So now we kind of walk through cap rate really is that net operating income divided by that purchase price or the value. And then in order to calculate net operating income, we need to know the gross operating income and the operating expenses. We subtract out the operating expenses from that gross operating income. In order to calculate the gross operating income, that's your gross potential income minus whatever your vacancy is. And then your OPEX your numbers are all these property expenses, right here. So if we go out one more in order to calculate gross operating income, that is just the sum of all the different income sources on your property. So any rent you're getting and then any other income, like if you're billing back for utilities or you're billing back for you know services provided by the HOA, like pool access or something like that, or if you're able to rent a garage on the property, all of those things are different types of income you might have in a property. And so those all get summed up. So this folks is how to calculate cap rate. That's it. So uh, this is the spreadsheet. Um, I will I will figure out how to get you copies of the spreadsheets. Um, it's probably going to be located right by the video. So I have not yet uploaded it yet, and we'll figure all that out, but this is where you get it all. Now, tomorrow, I'm going to teach you how to do cash on cash return investment, which if you look at the difference, this is how to get calculate cap rate visually. This is how to calculate cash on cash return investment visually. You'll notice that they pretty much both need to get to net operating income in order to do the calculation. It's when they get to net operating income that the calculations differ. With cash on cash, you're doing net operating income, then you're taking into account the financing on the property in order to determine cash flow, and then your cash flow and how much you needed to invest in the property in order to determine your cash on cash. But cap rate doesn't use the, any of the financing at all. It only gets down to this net operating income, and then your purchase price or value in order to calculate cap rate. Okay, so you could see these two and how they're different visually. And I'll cover that. I'll cover this one more in detail uh, tomorrow. Okay. So what is the difference? Cap rate, as we've discussed, ignores the financing on the property. So if you're thinking about, you know, if I put 20% down, is that going to change my cap rate? What if I put 25% down? Will that change my cap rate? The answer is no. It doesn't matter what you do with financing on a property. What if you pay all cash? doesn't matter. Cap rate does not include any type of financing. So cap rate is going to be the same regardless of how you're able to finance the property. Cash on cash will change, okay? It's the cash on cash return on investment if the property had no mortgage, right? So I'm going to cover this more tomorrow because I walk you through it. But think about this. If you don't have a mortgage on the property, then a lot of this financing goes away. And if the property is really return on equity instead of the total cash to close, then it becomes cap rate. I'll talk about that tomorrow. But basically, cash on cash, return on investment, if the property had no mortgage. That's what cap rate really is. Cap rate is often used with multifamily properties. It's not really used much with single family homes, duplexes, triplexes, fourplexes, probably a little bit more with like fourplexes than it is with, you know, single family homes, but it's often used to compare properties, you know, if if I'm looking at apartment buildings and one of them's a 12 unit and the other one's a 14 unit or a 27 unit, you know, cap rate gives you a way to normalize those things and say, you know, this one produces more cash flow for me. And Where they're the same, they both need the same calculation through net operating income, NOI, in order to be able to do the calculation. So cap rate is that NOI divided by property value. The cash on cash return on investment is basically NOI minus the mortgage payment minus any PMI payments divided by how much you had to invest in order to get the deal. Okay? Any questions? Let me know in the chats. You guys are like really quiet. This is like one of those topics where it's not a super sexy topic, right? It's like a very practical topic where if, if you're kind of like figuring out, hey, well, what, how do I calculate cash on cash? Or how do I calculate cap rate? You need to know. But as far as like sexy topics go, not so sexy. All right, so what are typical cap rates? They vary. They vary by market. They vary a little bit property to property, quality of property. They vary based on investment type, whether you're talking about apartments or industrial or office or retail or single family homes, if you're going to do cap rate for this. Uh, They vary on a property like quality, like an A-class property versus B-class property versus C-class property. They'll vary based on that. So there's a lot of variation in them. However, Conti increased. FRB, which I don't know where that is. This is the source of my uh, chart for this, though. This shows you going all the way back to 1986 and what the cap rates are by property type. So a lot of you, not everybody on here, but a lot of you, I think, are going to be investing in apartments. Some people probably be investing in industrial office or retail. And you can see those, too. But a lot of you are going to probably be looking at the apartment one, which is this light blue line. And you can see all the way back in 1986, cap rates used to be in that kind of like six and a half range. And then as we kind of progressed into the early 90s, cap rates sort of peaked out at, you know, high eights, let's call it. So a cap rate of about a high eight or so there. And then over time, you know, from that kind of like 90s down into 2008, we saw cap rate compression. We saw cap rates being reduced down to when they got below 5%, so, you know, high fours or so. Then during the kind of like 2008 real estate crisis, we saw cap rates jump up to about 6%. And then from about 2009 or so, uh, during this kind of real estate crisis, we saw cap rates decline again until they bottomed out around, oh, I don't know, 2021 or so. And then these are all projected, right? But I, I think that they're probably in the ballpark of what we're likely to say. So cap rates were about that 4% range. And right now they're probably really low in the, 4 to 5% range. Of course, you could find variations. Like you go to a certain market um, and do that. Typically, the way to think about this is in order to entice someone to invest in something that is either higher risk or less attractive, less desirable, people need to have a higher cap rate. You need to entice them. You need to draw them in with the, the promise of future money. And so when you look at a property and you're like, oh, this is a 10 cap, Usually because it's not a really pretty, nice investment that people desire. It's got some funky things going on about it in order to attract people into that kind of cap rate thing. So that's what you think about. I I will mention, I don't think I have a slide this, but it's kind of important to to note. And that is just because cap rates were, you know, whatever, um, 5%, you know, around here, doesn't mean that those were bad deals because your ability to finance a property and get financing at a interest rate lower than your cap rate can make investments much more attractive. The better your interest rate is compared to your cap rate, Oftentimes, the better the investment is. So, even if we had, you know, back here in the 80s, you know, six, seven, eight, nine into the 90s, probably up to close to 9% cap rates, if the interest rates are really high during that period of time, those may not have been as good as cap rates down here where you could lock in financing. One of the kind of weird things that happen with commercial properties, though, is commercial loans tend to be balloons. So, they tend to be, you know, fixed interest rate for five years, another fixed interest rate for five years. And then at the end of 15 years, um, you know, you have a balloon and the whole balance is then due or something like that. There's lots of variations of different balloons. But so your your interest rate risk becomes more. Predominant when you think about the fact that your interest rate is only locked for a five-year period. And who knows what interest rates will do in the next five years. I mean, if you had thought about this, you know, last year, you think, oh yeah, interest rates are going to be fine forever and I'm going to be able to, you know, refinance and get that. And now you're like, oh, the interest rates are twice as much as they were from when I originally locked this in. That could potentially be problematic in three years when this interest rate adjusts. Got to look at that. Okay. So you get a feel for that. Any questions on this chart? Nope. All right moving along. All right. So I, uh, I did this map. I analyzed about 300 us real estate markets and I determined, and this is a single family homes. I determined kind of like what the cap rate would be with current pricing, current, well, it doesn't matter what the interest rate is current rents on properties. And, and I estimated expenses based on some data I have um, It's not perfect, but it gives you an idea of like where you tend to see slightly higher cap rates. And this may also be off slightly because, you know, of course, I'm not an expert on all these different markets, but you get to get a feel for where the higher cap rates are based on the chart here. Okay. All right. Let's talk about using cap rates to determine value. So let's say you don't know what a commercial property you own is worth. You've owned this property for five years You're like, look, it's it's a weird property. It's a 14 unit building, and we don't have a lot of 14 unit buildings that are like this one. So what you could do is you could look around for the most similar type buildings that you do have. For example, you could look at you know a 10 unit that was sort of like yours, or a 20 unit that's more like yours, and you could find out what the cap rates are for those properties. And because you know what the net operating income is on the property, because you own it, you've been operating it, you know what net operating income is, you can calculate that, you can then divide that by whatever the cap rates are for the properties that are similar to this, what a what a similar type of property might be earning for someone else, and you can determine what your property is then worth. So you could work backwards. Instead of saying cap rate is equal to net operating income divided by the purchase price, You could say, well, I don't know what the purchase price is, so let me rearrange this algebraically, and now I can tell you property value is determined as the net operating income, which you know all the expenses on the property, and you know the income from it, divided by whatever the cap rates that people are getting on similar type properties, and say, you know, if this was a five cap, this property would be worth blank, and you could determine values to do that. And this approach is one of several approaches used for valuing commercial properties. It's rarely, if ever, used for single family homes, and probably I'm um, a little less firm in the they're not ever used for duplex, triplex or fourplexes, but they're mostly never used for duplex, triplex or fourplexes either. it's so usually once you get into those commercial properties, five units and above because the financing changes on those and they're slightly different, that you tend to use this more for valuing commercial properties. And I'm sure an appraiser will tell me, you know sometimes James will use that for a fourplex and I'm like, okay, great. okay. So the idea is that you can actually turn the equation around and use cap rates to determine value. Any questions on that Awesomeness? All right, brand new spreadsheet. What if you wanted to see what cap rates were? Kind of like a quick summary of all your cap rates on all the rental properties you want. Enter the rental portfolio cap rate spreadsheet. So uh, I'll put this up there by the video. But basically, all the property addresses, you just put them down here. You enter in whatever your net operating income is, whatever the property values are, and it will calculate cap rate for you, and then tell you an average of all the different cap rates for all the different properties you have. Kind of a nice little quick summary spreadsheet. I'm not gonna spend time doing that to do that. Okay. Any questions on that? Nice. No question. This is like so easy when no one has any questions. makes it easier for me. It helps that it's not like a like, sexy, weird, lots of different variations sort of topic. Okay, so this is the world's greatest real estate deal analysis spreadsheet. You guys can download a copy of that at uh, realestatefinancialplanner.com forward slash spreadsheet. And it calculates cap rate for you. So you don't really need to know how to calculate it. It'll all do the math for you. Um, It shows right here on the main page. You're going to enter in all your data over here on the left, which I'll walk you through. And then right here, cash on cash, return on investment is the uh, green numbers. And then your cap rate are the yellow numbers. It just shows you what it is for the first five years. Um, I'll jump ahead and tell you, if you want to see more than the first five years, you can look at cap rate on the overrides tab. It shows you it all the way out through year 40. But as far as inputs go, all the inputs we needed on that visual spreadsheet they all get done here through calculations. So again, you're gonna need that purchase price or ARV in this case to do that. Um, it does some calculations here, but it doesn't really use that for financing. So don't worry about it. Um, if you're just using it for cap rate, if you're doing it for deal analysis, you need to enter all the yellow fields. There's no mortgage that gets included in cap rate. So technically those don't get used. The income does get used. Remember we use that in order to calculate the gross potential income and then the gross um, operating income on a property. And then all the annual expenses down here are all the ones you're going to need. You'll notice they match up with what I just told you. You know, like the the vacancy, we'd use that for the gross potential, um, gross operating income one. And then taxes, insurance, HOA, utilities, other expenses, maintenance, and management are all on there. Um, We don't typically include CapEx and net operating income, although some people might try to throw it in there. And then this will get used in order to calculate this for you. So you don't have to know the formula. Just to enter in a spreadsheet, and it will show you right here. So if you're a cap rate person or you're a cash on cash, the world tends to get divided into this. I'm a cap rate guy or gal, or I'm a cash on cash guy or gal. And those tend to be the world's separation, right? Like when you're talking about deal analysis, they're like, I like to look at cap rate. I like to look at cash on cash. I happen to be a cash on cash person. But some people like cap rate. And so that's why we have both of them right here. And this is in the same spot. So you can see them both comparatively. Any questions on that? Kind of easy, right? You don't really need to know how to do the calculation if you have the spreadsheet, it does it for you. No questions? Awesomeness. And then here's the overrides thing, which I told you just shows you cap rate for all those right there. And it also shows you cash on cash, in case you want to see that. And visually, it shows you like how cap rate changes over time as you own the property. So you can kind of see visually what's happening over the full 40 years. Okay. A few more slides. So... Cap rate typically is not represented on this. You know, when we look at the different four areas of return for an invested property, you have appreciation, tendency for property values to go up over time. cash flow, which is usually your cash on cash return investment. It's usually not your cap rate. Debt pay down, how much of the loan you're paying down each time you make a monthly payment and the tax benefits, usually depreciation here. And then any reserves you have in the property that you're getting return on in order to sum all of those up in order to get a total. But when you have no mortgage on a property, When you paid off the property completely, and oftentimes that means you've owned the property for more than 27 and a half years. So a lot of times this tax benefit, the depreciation benefit will be zero as well. But in this case, I said, hey, look, maybe you paid off the property faster than 27 and a half years and you still have a little tax benefit. That pay down here is still zero. That's showing you that you don't have a mortgage on it at all. But when you don't have a mortgage on a property at all, this top area for return, a lot of times we're doing return on equity, becomes cap rate. So, once you get to the point where the property is paid off and you're doing this calculation as a return on equity, then equity really is the value of the property. So, your cash flow becomes net operating income. There's no expenses to subtract from it for mortgage payment or PMI. So, really your net operating income is your full income on the property divided by the property value, which is in this case your equity in your property. So, cash flow becomes return on equity. Kind of an interesting Side note for those that are interested in that sort of thing. All right. So if you're wanting to improve cap rate, we happen to be in an environment where prices are high, interest rates are high, rents are lagging. And so cash flow is sort of like lagging quite a bit on deals. You might want to think to yourself, hey, look, how do I improve? If I'm going to buy a property, how do I improve cash flow ultimately, which is going to be cash on cash tomorrow? But if you're thinking about it in terms of cap rate, how do I improve cap rate in properties in order to get better returns? It's not hard. These are all the different inputs we have going into calculating cap rate. So if you think about it, you could methodically go through each one of these inputs and think to yourself, okay, let me brainstorm all the different ways that I can increase rent. I could change my strategy. Instead of renting this property out as a you know, single family, long-term rental, year-long leases, maybe I decide to do a short-term vacation rental, really get my income up on the property. Or maybe I rent it out by the bedroom. Or maybe I rent it out and I include, um, you know, renting the garage or, you know, something like that in order to be able to get the income. There's all these different ways in order to get the income up in a property. And so you can methodically go through and think about all the ways you can increase rent or increase all the other income. Then methodically go through and say, okay, how can I decrease vacancy in order to improve my cap rate? Well, maybe I start 60 to 90 days ahead of time. Or maybe I hire a professional property manager because I don't have the time to really devote to this. Or maybe I improve my sales skills so that I can go ahead and get higher rents to the property. Maybe I prepare my property better uh, between tenants. Maybe I do the maintenance ongoing instead of waiting for the property to be vacant to do the maintenance. So all of these different ideas you have methodically going through and improving any input area, the red areas that you're doing, in order to improve cap rate ultimately or cash on cash if we're doing it later because it's the same exercise. And if you think to yourself, if you've attended any of my classes on like, uh, um, how to optimize cash flow, I think the class is called the How to Improve Cash Flow Workshop, I think is the actual name of the class. But if you think about what that class is, it literally is me doing the lowest monthly payment guarantee. Which is going through each one of these expenses on a property or the financing part of the property and the maximum cash flow guarantee, which is increasing all the different ways that cash flow get calculated. All I'm doing is going through and optimizing each one of those and telling you, look, these are the different ways you can manipulate each one of these boxes and how we improve on it. You could do the same thing or go listen to my thing and, and get all the ideas. It's up to you. But if you wanted to go ahead and optimize your own, you just methodically go through and think about how you can optimize that. Okay. So the question is, how can I improve those? What can I increase? What can I decrease? And that's what I pretty much did in the how to improve flow class. Plus, eventually I have to teach this new tool. I'll give you the really brief overview. This is the second tab in the visual cap rate calculator thing. It's called improve cap rate focuser. If you were going to try to improve cap rate, what gives you the biggest bang for your buck? What should you focus on in order to improve your cap rate in a property? And I have a version of this for the cash on cash return investment, which is really just cash flow. So if you're looking at this, how does it work? So list on uh, all the different inputs we have. The red ones are the ones that are inputs from you. The blue ones again are the secondary. Um, calculations, uh, secondary metrics, uh, hierarchy metrics. And then the yellow ones are tertiary uh, metrics. And then the green one is what we're trying to optimize for. It's the kind of end result we're working toward here. And you can see all these different ones. This is what the current values are from. And they're from, I just pulled them from here. Right, because It's the second tab. So it shows you what the current calculations are. And then here's where you start playing with things. You say, look, if I increase rent by 10% or increase other income by 10% or, or increase the gross potential income, which is a combination of both those by 10%, or I do a vacancy, if I could decrease that by 10%. So some of these are an improvement is to lower it or some of them are an improvement is to raise it. And so I try to make them green if you're improving it, and it turns red if you make it the other way. But it shows you whether it's positive or negative based on the percentage. But it walks you through what you want to change each one of these things by, tells you what the new value is. And then I tell you, hey, look, if you change rent by 10%, if you were able to increase rent by 10%, that means your new cash on cash return investment will be 5.571 versus 4.913. That's an improvement of 13.39%. So look, if you can change your rent, if you can improve rent by 10%, that improves your cash on cash by over 10%. So it has a, a, a significant increase in that. And then you can look down here and see which ones have the biggest impact to you. And some of these are easier to change than others, right? Like it's probably easier to get 10% more in rent than it is to reduce your property taxes by 10% well, maybe you can reduce your property tax by a little bit, you know, contesting things and making sure you can you you can test your assessments with good comps every time you get a new tax assessment. So that's the idea though. And sometimes you, you may not want to optimize something, right? Like property insurance, you may say, look, I want to be well-insured. So I'm not going to try to like get the lowest insurance quote I possibly can with a company that's, you know, maybe not as reliable and not likely to pay out and, you know, not what likely to protect me or maybe I'm underinsuring the value of the property. So there's some of these that you won't want to optimize by choice uh, and some of you will want to optimize and try to figure stuff out and so this just shows you what you should focus on if you are going to do some changes into that and, and to be clear it's not doing all of these this is if you change this only this is what the new calculation would be this is what it would improve by so i thought about making one where i did a compound one where you say look if i do rent by 10 percent and i did vacancy by 10 percent, what would be the new cash on cash but honestly. Isn't that doing this? You just go in here and adjust both those and it does the for you. I don't know. So, so is that helpful? Kind of a new tool for you to do that. Um, I'll probably put that up there with the video. Let me know if that's a good tool for anybody or if anybody's still awake. While I do the drink here. Everyone is sleeping. Everyone's sleeping. Okay. This last slide. So if you want to see additional examples, if you're really a glutton for punishment and you want to know how to calculate... Uh, cap rate, and you want someone to walk you through it in detail. Yeah. So Layla says, yeah, so helpful. Great. Awesome. Glad glad I'm helping someone. (laughs) That's awesome. Okay, cool. So additional examples. If you want to see like walking through more of these, you can go to the real estate financial planner.com forward slash calculate cap rate. And it will show you me walking through an example of this. And this is a program. So I can enter in Any property that we've done analysis on in the modeling software, if you go to the modeling page, you pick your city, you pick the the kind of scenario you're looking at. So you go to copy it. There's a list of the properties that are included in the scenario you're about to copy. And you can click on a link to have me walk you through cap rates, net operating income, cash on cash, like all the different calculations you want to do. And it will walk you through this in detail and just show you exactly how it's laid out. So if you want to see more examples, not that you need to, I mean, you know, all you need to know at this point, you don't need to do more examples. But if you did, If you were a glutton for punishment, you could go and look up all those. And that, my friends, is all I have for you this morning. That is how to calculate cap rate in excruciating detail. More than you ever wanted to know about cap rate and how to do the calculations. And some brand new tools for those of you that like tools. So Nick says, great tool. Not sleeping, just pretending to work at the same time. Oh, my goodness. I don't know if I should be part of that. Well, thank you very much. I appreciate it. No one has any questions, which you had a chance to ask questions the whole time. Uh, I will go ahead and excuse myself. But thank you all for coming. Glad you were able to watch the video on how to do, or the webinar on how to do calculate cap rate. We will see you all tomorrow. Is how to calculate cash on cash return, which basically the same idea, except we're going to walk through for cash on cash. So enjoy it. I will talk to you all soon. Bye bye for now. With home prices up, mortgage interest rates up, and rents up, but not quite enough to counteract the higher prices and interest rates cash flow on rental properties in lubbock is harder than ever book a call with the real estate financial planner to apply our proprietary 88 strategies to improve cash flow on your rentals see the show notes for a link to schedule your call and improve your cash flow today if you're a real estate agent lender or professional in lubbock that wants to help our real estate investor listeners consider reaching out to learn about collaboration opportunities with this podcast